0: Welcome to Power Your Profits Podcast, your friendly guide in bringing your business revenue to the next level. Listen as host Susie Carter hears inspiring stories of success from her fellow entrepreneurs and transformational leaders. Prepare to make significant change to your strategies as they unravel the secrets of building multi-million dollar businesses and the most effective tips on finance, marketing, and sales accountability. If you want to make your first step towards explosive business growth, this is the right podcast for you. Without further ado, here is your host, Susie.
1: My next guest, Sam Silverston, is a speaker, author, entrepreneur, and the founder of the Accountability Institute and Certified Accountability Advisors. He is the author of 11 books, including I Am Accountable, Non-Negotiable, No More Excuses, Making Accountable Decisions, and No Matter What, Sam has been inducted into the Speaker's Hall of Fame. Please welcome my guest, Sam. I have a super exciting person to introduce you to, Sam Silverstone. He owns and is the founder of the Accountability Institute, but what wows me about him Look, I was digging, you did $100 million in sales in your career time, which is, that's pretty juicy. And he's the author of 11 books, right? All around accountability, non-negotiable, no more excuses, making accountability decisions. No matter what, Sam is included in the Speaker's Hall of Fame. I don't even know what that is, but I'm just gonna do the Sam and just go, okay, go my brother. So welcome.
2: Hey, it's great to be here, Susie. (laughs) And thank you for all that. And the first thing you have to know is, I definitely had a team of people that helped make that $100 million in total sales uh, happen. It was not just on my shoulders.
1: Yes, but that's juicy. And that's what we're really going to talk about. So tell everybody what your magic is, right? And what are you doing currently to serve our market?
2: My magic. My magic, magic. is my magic. You know, well, my purpose is to help people discover their potential and be the best they can possibly be. My magic is that I listen and I listen to the message that's given to me for the purpose of being the steward and sharing. And what we've discovered is accountability is at the very foundation and we have a unique take on it and we have the ability to teach others how to understand it. That's where our magic is. That's
1: a juicy magic. I love accountability. Love it. Hate it. Right. One of my coaches, Shara Spirito, said to me, she goes, Susie. You honor the dignity of the human spirit when you hold people accountable. Quit being a chicken, right? Because I used to feel like I had to be the bad guy or get my dukes up. Like, okay, I got to go in. I got to hold him accountable. Well, see,
2: and that's (laughs) the whole thing, Susie. It's not about holding people accountable. We have a misconception. Accountability is not a way of doing. It's a way of thinking, and it's how we think about people. So when people aren't doing things, that's A neglect of responsibility, not accountability. And the reason we struggle with accountability is because for the most part, what I've discovered in all our research, people don't understand what it really is. Right. Because you talk about the difference between accountability and
1: responsibility are completely different. And, you know, watching that, I'm like, I kind of lump them together, too. Right. Accountability and responsibility, you lump them in the same thing. So talk about from your standpoint of doing this for years. We're seasoned. Sam and I are seasoned. We're spicy, but we're seasoned.
2: I love that. Absolutely. Well, so here's the thing. Everything we've been taught about accountability is wrong because accountability is not a way of doing. It's a way of thinking. It's how we think about people. Accountability isn't leadership trying to manipulate people to do more for them. Accountability is leadership being accountable first to the people. In doing so, creating an environment, a place, a workplace culture, if you will, That inspires people to want to be their best and to choose to be accountable. And once leaders see their people differently, they treat them differently, they commit to them differently, and they get a different result. So, accountability simply stated is keeping our commitments to people. Now, there's tactical commitments and there's relational commitments. We can certainly go there if you want, but it's all about the relational commitments. We define a commitment as no matter what. And when leaders keep their commitments to people, a relational commitment, what happens is they inspire their people to the point to they would rather die than let that leader down.
1: Yes. And you also talk about that accountability is the foundation of our businesses, right? And Absolutely. I think people think of it as an afterthought. It's like, oh yeah, I gotta hold I've gotta have accountability. I've gotta have, have them be responsible. So talk a little bit more about that because I think that's just a delicious distinction.
2: Okay, so you're responsible for things, but you're accountable to people. That report's not going to hold you accountable. Or as I like to say, as a leader, we should be helping our people be accountable because nobody wants to be held accountable. Susie, holding someone accountable is like putting a gun to their head. Nobody wants that. So how do we help people be accountable? We help them by being there for them first, by modeling accountability. And we do that through these relational commitments. And one of the key ones is a commitment to the values. So in any organization, there is a culture. This is where all the magic happens is in the culture. That culture is either a culture by design or a culture by default. Mm. If it's a culture by design, then it's been defined through the values. That's where all these pieces come together. So is there an amazing set of values, a set of values that, that has it that through its totality has foundational values, which talk to the character of the organization, relational values, which explain how relationships work both internally and externally, professional values. What is excellence here in this organization? And then community values. How do we connect to and serve the community in which we're doing business? When you have a set of values that in their totality connect to all four areas, you have a set of values that will define a culture that can be amazing.
1: Right. And you talk about which, you know, I've never seen people make the connect, right? Your creative is your value. Your innovation is your integrity and your change is your accountability. Where people use those sexy words, but I think we're putting more meat on the bones when you frame it that way. Do you want to kind of share? Because it's a little different than what other leaders are doing inside of accountability. So
2: so what happens is when you've created this amazing set of values, you have values to talk about how we our relationships internally, for instance. And by the way, you can never have a better relationship with a client than you can have inside the organization. If customer service is not where it should be, there's a relationship problem in the organization. When a leader calls us or one of our certified accountability advisors to come in and help them with accountability, we know there's a relationship problem in the organization. So you've defined your values. So you have values to talk about character, integrity, that sort of thing. You have values that talk about relationships, say respect or something like that. You have values that talk about professionalism. What's the level of excellence that's here and the community values? Now, the question is, does the leader model, live, and teach those values? Are are those values in play? Do you allow someone to stay in the organization who's great in sales but is terrible at relationships. Because <laughs> if you allow me to stay in the company because I'm the number one salesperson, but meanwhile, I'm ticking off three people because I disrespect them, then the value of respect really isn't a value here. Right. And so this is the hard part is where it's committing to the values, not allowing someone to stay who doesn't live the values, because then you go from a culture by design to a culture by default, which means anything goes.
1: I love it, right? We always say the tongue in your mouth and then your tongue in your shoe, are they going in the same direction or are they going in different
2: directions? Right? Love that.
1: It's like that do as I say, not as I do as your parents, you know, as kids. And you're like, what is that You can't mean? lead
2: that way. Yeah. But there's
1: so many people, right? It's like leadership is theory. Accountability is theory. It works for you, but not for me right? That's hard to follow a leader inside that. Then you get that chaos, you get that disruption. It's not fun.
2: Well, when a leader says, do as I say, not as I do, then they have no integrity because so I'm supposed to live to this standard, but you don't have to. So now as an employee, I have no respect for that leader. And if I have no respect for that leader, there's no accountability on her part as the leader. There's not going to be accountability on my part because you'll never be accountable to someone you don't like and respect. And so it, it's totally torn down. It's like the leader that says, I have 32 headaches and each one has a first name. This is how they see their people or the leader that looks at you and says, now this, you know, as they're changing their compensation plan or their commission plan or whatever, they go, this isn't personal. This is business. That's yeah. a pile of crap. Right. Every interaction between two people is personal. And so the leader that goes down that road, they don't get it. Accountability comes, Susie, I know you know this, but this is, it comes down to valuing people because if you as the leader value people and your actions align with your words, which means like you said, I love that expression, the tongue in your shoe lines up with the tongue in your mouth. Then when your people feel valued, they want to work harder. They're committed. They want to do a great job. They want to see the organization succeed. They want to see you, the leader, succeed. Yeah, so it always starts with the leader being accountable first. It always starts with them valuing people first.
1: Right. I think what I love most is you take this natural knowing that people naturally do it, but they can't really distinguish why they do it. That, that was me building my first million dollar business. It was like, wait, how did I do it so I can give that to my students?" versus I just did it, right? And so when you dissect it because it can seem so. Fluffy accountability or responsibility—it's not. It's the backbone of a business. I've always had amazing people, and it's because I treat them as amazing people. I treat them as I see them as their possibility, not their human behavior. Right?
2: (laughs) Not not their human. And that's and that. See, that's one of the ten relational commitments that we've discovered and that we've defined, which is seeing the potential in your people and leading them to that potential so they can be their best. That is a relational commitment. Because Susie, when you treat your people like that, and I'm not saying this for you, I'm saying this for everyone that's listening. You know, when you treat your people like that, who doesn't want to work for someone who's always looking for their potential, who's always positioning them to be their best, getting them extra training, putting them in places where they can shine. That's what I want. I don't want just, I don't want a boss. I want a leader that's a mentor, that's looking out for me. When I know you're committed to me, you better believe I'm all in, committed to the organization through you.
1: Exactly. So let's talk about because you know building a hundred million in sales, right, and that's over your career, right. We've had some big breakdowns. I always say, the bigger you play, the bigger the breakdown. You know, some people call it failure. Some people call it obstacles, challenges, whatever sexy name we want to give it. So what has been one of your biggest failures that you've experienced, and then what did you learn? Because you know, business. I think what happens is a lot of Experts speak from their mountaintop. Let me just share all the good, 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 which is great. We learned from that too. But I learn as a business owner when I'm on my knees, <laughs> when I have been humbled, <laughs> when I have to go. What is the lesson? <laughs> and chant that to myself. So, yeah. what would you say one of those biggest learning experiences have been for you?
2: So, I had a an organization with about 175 people at one point in time, and the attitude among myself and the partners, was that we had the answers, meaning the executives, the owners, and all you had to do was execute. Mm. And that's just backwards. It's wrong. It's not true. Right. And, you know, I was young and I was cocky and I thought I had it all figured out and I didn't. And it's not that I was dumb or stupid or I didn't have a lot of answers. But the reality is people doing the job have the answers. They're closer to the job. Right. And so our organization had a, a manufacturing organization. We had gone from being highly profitable to being highly not profitable, <laughs> which is that on your knees position you're talking about. We were hemorrhaging money. Everything I had, every the building, every piece of inventory, every piece of equipment, my home, everything was on the line guaranteeing debt that was growing at an incredible rate and it was finally finally we had a meeting and in this meeting i realized if i didn't turn this over to the people to solve it wouldn't get solved because they were the ones that were hands-on with the projects they were the ones that had to deliver and so you know we were actually delivering a product in six to eight weeks it needed to be in two weeks and the quality was terrible high quality design, low quality execution. And so I finally, I asked the gentleman who was in charge of production. I said, how long does it take to make a window? He said, a week. I said, can you make a window in a week? Yes. So you're saying that if you have orders in by Friday noon, they could be done the following Friday noon. Yes. And my partner's going, we just need them in two weeks. We just need them in two weeks. And so I'm like, so if you make them in two weeks, that means the orders sit here for a week and then you make them in a week. I said, if you can make them in a week, we can blow our customers away with customer service. They'll go nuts. I said, figure it out. Let me know what you need and make it happen. And that was it. And when we turned it over to him and his team of people, which were all the frontline people, everything changed. And literally within six weeks, we We're shipping product like crazy. By the end of 90 days, our profitability had totally reversed and we started making money hand over fist. And so the problem was I didn't trust the people. And the solution simply was value the people because you work hard to hire people, hire good people, value them, put it in their hands, let them take care of the business. And all I have to do as a leader, as an owner, as an entrepreneur, take care of my people.
1: Well, I think that's an anomaly right in the workplace. Like, let's just all be clear because I have team members when they come to me, they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know. doesn't work here. That's a five-year-old answer to a question. You're smart or you would not have been put in this role. It's like empowering them to learn how to use their voice because many corporations, many entrepreneurs don't allow them to use their voice. So they just refer back to you like, well, what do you think, Sam? Like, That's not my job. I'm hiring you because you are the expert in this. I'm the expert in this and I'm not the expert in that, right? Even my admin assistant is like, if you tell me I don't know one more time, it's just not going to work. Like, I don't need someone who doesn't know. If I have to tell you how to do your job, one of us isn't needed. So you choose. <laughs> it's like,
0: you exactly. know,
1: harsh, but loving. I love you. Use your brain. You're smart, right? But we as leaders make people so weak right? By giving them the it or the answer or, you
2: know. Yeah. And so what you're describing is I see this all the time. And I see this where a lot of our clients that are using our development tools, they have an amazing culture. And then there's a merger acquisition. They take on another organization. And so they bring in these employees from the other organization. They're used to a different culture. And when they come into this culture where people are empowered, where people have a voice, Where everyone, it doesn't matter whether you're the janitor, the VP of sales, merchandising, you, if you have an idea, leadership wants to hear it. And when people come into an organization like that, some of them are able to make the leap and adopt others can't, and they have to go by the wayside. And that's because they've been trained by poor cultures, which have been created by poor leaders that you don't have a voice. Right. Why do you want to hire someone and not get all of them, which means right. their most valuable asset, their brain? Right. Or accountability. Right. They don't have accountability. When I took over Lisa
1: Nichols company, there never been accountability. So they, they were all combined. She's mean. She's scary. I'm like, I just want a weekly report. I just want to I want to know what we're paying you for. <laughs> well,
2: they it were is not an adjustment, inspired right? to be accountable by the leader.
1: Right. It's so crazy. Okay. So every, a lot of businesses, I don't know if you're experiencing this with your clients, right? So with this pandemic and the global upset, like I find people are struggling and they're still waiting, which I don't know why they're waiting. Like, come on, there's no wait. This is the new realm of business. So what are you seeing with your students and how, what's the secret sauce to keeping them in action and keeping them growing? Because I know you got some secret sauce, Sam.
2: OK, well, you know, there's business out there. There's lots of business out there. Right. Um, and there are a lot of companies that are thriving. And so, first of all, I don't think the rules of being successful have changed the field you know, sometimes the grass is a little taller and you can't run as fast. And sometimes the grass is cut shorter and you can run a little faster. What works is always going to work, which means are you contacting people? Are you building relationships? Are you offering value, a service that's needed? Are you just trying to sell what you do? Are you trying to understand your clients and what their needs are and then be there to serve their needs? Because that's really what value is. It's not, selling your product. It's understanding their needs and then solving a problem for them. And so it remains the same. The organizations that I have seen that have thrived during pandemic times are the ones that have taken the time to create and design a strong culture before it happened. They know what their values are. They're very specific about their purpose and their mission. Everyone in the organization knows how they serve that mission. They're aligned. They're very efficient with their time because they're working on the mission. And then what we've seen is that during the pandemic, that the leader has the acuity to realize that her people or his people have different needs in this time. And so the leader is serving their people differently so their people can serve the clients differently. Perfect example, one of our clients, this the managing partner said, "It's business as usual, we're just going to work from home. I says, well, you're only half right. You're working from home. It's not business as usual because when your people go home in this environment, they've got kids at home. They might have their parents at home. They have spouses at home. What are you doing to create an environment in your people's homes so that they can take care of their needs and work efficiently for the organization? Because this is a new set of challenges that we need to face. So you need to be aware of what's going on out there. The marketplace is right. People have needs. Organizations are trying to grow, which means they need products and services. The question becomes, how does your expertise align with the needs of the clients that you already have, which is always a low-hanging fruit, and what are you doing to find new clients and build new relationships? Because we always have to be looking for growth.
1: Right. Right. We say that we lose 30% of our clients every year, right? So if you look at that, if you're not replacing that, you're out of business or you're stagnant, right? That's why those exactly businesses right. that never grow, you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> not doing anything. That's the problem. <laughs> Status quo. And I think a lot of businesses are sticking their head in the sand waiting, like, get it out of the sand, right? Or No, 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 no. Wealth is you can't building. can't do that. Right. And wealth is built in these economies, right? This is where you will build your wealth. If you can ride the wave, if you can pivot your business, if you can look at, right, the change, the innovation, right, and the creativity.
2: Exactly. There's so many opportunities right now. Now is the time to do it. Look, anyone can make money when times are good. The best organizations are the ones that will thrive during the bad times. But like you're saying, they're positioning themselves for this exponential growth coming out of these tough times. Right. So leverage the opportunity that's there.
1: So Sam, what do you want to be remembered for? Like, if there's anything you could choose, like, what's the Sam Silverstein? I want to be remembered for this.
2: You know, if 50 years from now somebody reading one of my books or somebody that's potentially going through the Certified Accountability Advisor program that's still in existence because we put something in place that has legs, you know, that I want to be remembered as someone who worked to create a more accountable world mm-hmm. that helped people understand that individually and businesses be more accountable inside the organization. That's what I want to be remembered for. And yeah. that's our mission. That's my mission. And that's something we look at every day.
1: I love how you just got and you drop right in your heart. Right. So you <laughs> just like, Oh, that's as true. That's your essence right there, which I love, love, love. Okay. That's so
2: what's nice. one
1: question you wish I would have asked to share with our community.
2: Wow. Besides what's for lunch, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, because you ask great questions, Susie, and you because of your experience, you know what really matters. But I guess the one question, what's the first step to building that I should take as an entrepreneur or business person to building accountability individually or in my organization? And we've talked about this, and it's a part A and a part B. First step is understand, define in writing what your values are. And we've actually created a tool to help that, Susie. It's available at valuesworksheet.com. It's free. But understand what your values are. And the B part is commit to those values no matter what. They're absolute. And so it's non-negotiable that you are not going to make a decision that knowingly, that violates your values. You're not going to allow someone to stay in your organization that repeatedly violates your values. And if you do just that, I'm telling you, you'll change your trajectory of your life, the trajectory of the people that work for you, and ultimately then the trajectory of your organization.
1: You see, and I love it so emphatic, right? So I think that's where if you're not managing from your values, it's the values of convenience to go own them like i've made really hard business decisions because one of my highest values is integrity right and when you need the money you're like but it's not in line with who we are like i gotta give the money back or i gotta end the contract or i don't want to pursue it or you know so i think that is you hear from me but you hear it from sam and with that emphaticness if that's the word emphaticness i'm like, making it up i have susie socios- it is now
2: <laughs> it's a great word <laughs>
1: Awesome. Okay. So uh, you mentioned one freebie, the values, which we'll put in the show notes, but you also have a juicy quiz we could take, right?
2: Yeah. Yes. We, and, and this, is- this is the uh, it's uh coaching which is it's for executive coaches and consultants. What's the blind spot in your business that you might be missing and that you need help with in taking your coaching and consulting business to the next level. And it's uh probably a 60 second experience and it gives you feedback right away and then offers actually a masterclass on what we've talked about today to take it deeper and show you how to apply it to your life and your business.
1: We always tell our students, it doesn't have to be hard. It just has to be strategic. And this is a strategic way of looking at accountability into your business as a system, not as I've got to be me, not as I've got to have another worksheet to go. No, this is the foundation of the business right you said accountability is the foundation of the business you know so i want to thank you for being here i want to thank you for your generosity i want to thank you for what you do in the world right and really empowering us to hold people accountable support people and being accountable and being responsible for the result they're creating right if we have a team of people that are holding that flag with you we can be change agents all over the world so sam thank you I appreciate you, my brother. And I'm excited for our community to get to know you. I have two pages of notes. I was taking notes on your content. Awesome, awesome. Right, I've never missed an opportunity to learn. So I appreciate you and thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Power Your Profits Podcast. Let these building blocks from today's most successful industry leaders equip you with the necessary resources and tools to finally establish the highly profitable business of your dreams. Want to hear more? Listen to more episodes at HTTPS colon double slash PowerYourProfitsPodcast.com And don't forget to subscribe to the show. Now is your time to rise to the top of your game. So be sure to catch our next episode. Until next time.